This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you, thank you. Ooh, I'm blessed to see you out here today. After Christmas, God bless all of you. I pray you had a great Christmas. And as we exit 2020 and we enter 2021, I'm going to give you some fresh vision today. So again, I welcome all of your guests. We're glad to have you here. If you got your Bible, open with me the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33. We'll go to Ezekiel 33, then we'll be in Isaiah chapter 3 this morning. You know, uh, the Bible's very clear that God will shake everything that can be shaken. And literally what that's talking about, all the systems of the world, they'll be shaken. But what won't ever be shaken is the Word of God, the truth. And so we're going to stand on that. And so just today, I, I want to put some thoughts in you that I can't let today be the enemy of my tomorrow. Let me say that again. Don't let today be the enemy of your tomorrow. And what I mean by that is oftentimes we have a thing called procrastination. We like to put things off and our thought is, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Well, let's start early in in 2021 with the things of the kingdom of God. So here in Ezekiel 33... God speaks through the prophet here, Ezekiel, and what you're going to begin to see is some warnings, but also some promises. Ezekiel 33, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword or the enemy upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, When he sees the sword or the enemy coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people or he sounds the alarm, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning or ignores the warning, the sword comes and takes him away. His blood shall be upon his own head or it will be his own fault. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life or deliver his soul. Verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will cry at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth And warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. You are on the fast track to death, is what this is talking about. You shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way or to change his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and when it says to turn from his way, you know what it's talking about there? We are to be people that repent. We take ownership of our actions and our behaviors. And so he says, nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he does not repent, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us, 
and we pine or we waste or we rot away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? And so what he's talking about here is one's destiny may be determined by the choice of this day. Of this day. Not tomorrow, not not next week, but of this day. And so what you begin to see here is, is Ezekiel is the watchman, and he's sending out a warning. Now, turn with me back to your left to Isaiah chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want to highlight some things that I believe needs to take place in 2021. That we as people of God, we must be intentional. You must be purposeful. You must be self-controlled. And you should be a person that's given to prayer. Those three things, okay? Intentional, purposeful, and and really the third one, be self-controlled. And when I say those things, ask God to grace us, to help me. To live self-control, and I don't know if you've ever been this before in your life, but what would happen if your prayer would begin, Father God, grace me to be a man or woman of prayer. Grace me to be someone that that cries out to you daily. Now, in Isaiah chapter 3, as I begin to study on those lines, this, this passage here by the prophet Isaiah, I believe it's a mirror of some of the stuff we're going through to this day right now. And so begin with me in Isaiah 3, verse 1. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, he takes away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stock and the store. Better stated for the stock and the store is every form of support. Everything they would depend on or even their basic necessities. Keep reading. The whole supply of bread or every bit of bread and the whole supply of water or every drop of water. Now again, he's saying here, I'm going to take away from the people of Jerusalem and from Judah. Now watch verse 2, what he's going to take away. The mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet. One translation says, all their heroes. Now, this is one of them that really, really, really got interesting to me. In the message translation for verse 2, it says, he will withdraw their police and their protection. Wow. Keep reading. And the divineer or the fortune teller. And and when he talks about the fortune teller, here uh, Isaiah wasn't condoning fortune tellers, but he was showing how far the nation had fallen or sunken. They would listen to anything and everything but God and God's word. Now I believe this is an insight for every one of us that in 2021, purpose in your heart I'm going to live by the word of God. I I desire to grow in the word of God. I desire to learn more about the things of God. And I'm at a place in my life right now, I love to learn about God. You know how you learn about God? 
Get into the book. Get into the Bible. When you get into the Bible, God will get into you. And every time I open up my Bible, you know what I find out? This is God's heart. This is God's desire. The, the Bible tells me who God is. Make that a, a, a part, purpose in your heart. And the elder, the captain of the 50, and the honorable man, the counselor and the skillful artisan and the expert enchanter, I will give children or boys to be their princesses, and I will give babes or toddlers to rule over them. Now, when it highlights this here, you know what most translations point to? They will lose their leadership. They will be a, a, a people that look more to the childish things of the world. Many translations says this. It will be childishness in their behaviors and their actions. Verse 4 or verse 5. And the people will be oppressed. They will oppress each other. Everyone by another and everyone by his, his neighbor. They will stab each other in the back. The child will be insolent toward the elder. Or the word insolent there means they will behave proudly but toward, but toward the elder or the old, the aged ones. There becomes a thing in the society where it's the young against the old. Interesting, huh? And the base or the lightly esteemed, the inferior toward the honorable or the respected. So in this time of chaos, all the thoughtful people will refuse leadership. Only the immature and the weak will attempt to rule. Ooh, it's interesting. Warnings from Isaiah the prophet, verse 6. When a man takes hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, You have clothing, you be our ruler. Now, when it talks about you have clothing, this is signifying that of your outward appearance. You have a certain form of an outward appearance, and because you have that form of outward appearance, they said, why don't you be our leader? Verse 7. The end of verse 6, and he says, let these ruins be under your, your power, your control. In that day, he will protest, saying, I cannot cure your ills. I can't help you. For in my house is neither food nor clothing. I do not have a clue. Do not make me a ruler of this people. For Jerusalem stumbled, they came to ruin, and Judah is fallen, or they're down for the count, because their tongue and their speech and their doings are against the Lord. What they're saying here is they speak out against God. They refuse to obey him. He goes on to say at the last part of verse 8, And their doings or their deeds are against the Lord to provoke their eyes of his glory. So literally what this is saying is there will come people on the earth that will literally, because of their speech and their deeds, they'll slap God in his face. It's like this. We have become a society. We know more than God. We've advanced past the Bible. We've advanced uh, past the, the scriptures. 
And the reason I'm highlighting this is because I believe this is the season our society's in right now. Verse 9, the look on their countenance witnesses against them. And what this is talking about here is they become respecters persons. There is a form of partiality. And they declare their sin as Sodom. Now, if you think back about the sin of Sodom, they promote their sin of Sodom. They parade their sin as Sodom did. In other words, they didn't hide it. They weren't embarrassed or shamed because of their sin. Actually, they boasted about their sin. And they do not hide it. Woe to their soul. And the word woe there means doom because of their moral landslide. Their eroding of morals. And so guess what? They forget the judgment that God placed upon the people of Sodom. And he says, woe is their doom. The end of verse 9, for they have brought evil upon themselves. A self-inflicted evil. Verse 10, but say to the righteous, say to the godly, that it shall be well with them. Who I say that to you today. You hang on to God. You, you grip on God. You, you have bulldog faith with God. Hang on to God. And you know what he said? Tell the righteous. It'll be well with them. It'll be well with your soul. Tell the righteous. Verse 11. Woe to the wicked or doom to the wicked. It shall be ill or disaster with him. For the rewards of his hands shall be given to him. You will be paid back exactly what you deserve. So better stated, this is Galatians 6, 7. You're going to reap what you sow. It's going to happen, guys. The Bible doesn't change. Verse 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors. And the women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who lead you cause you to err, or they lead you into a blind alley. Now, when I read this here, the point of, of, of this is not the leadership of children. The leadership of women and children is not biblically unacceptable. That's not what he's saying. Because I can take you to the Old Testament. There was a man named Josiah who was eight years old who he led. There was a woman named Deborah in Judges 4 who was a prophetess. She led. But what he's saying here, because you put ungodly people into your leading, there will be chaos because they failed. So this becomes a warning. So listen, here's the thing. It doesn't matter who's in the form of leadership. Look to God. Look to God, okay? I don't care, and I'm not going to get politically correct on you here today. I don't care who you voted for in 2020. You better look to God. Keep your eyes on God, okay? Now, this was a warning from the prophet Isaiah. And the reason I highlight so much of that is I, I believe this is where we are to this day. 
And what happens is when mankind, we, we begin to remove God or we eliminate the Bible, man, we start falling out of, out of the things of heaven real quick. So my charge is to you this year, trust God. Trust the Bible. That the word of God will preserve you in hard times. I want you to think about this just in 2020. We can look back at this year, and every one of us can talk about the negatives because there were a lot of negatives. But what about the good? Let me help you with that just a little bit right here. You're still here. You're still here. And I know there's men and women in, in this, this sanctuary right now that they're here because of the goodness of God. And you're not in the hospital today. And you were healthy enough to come to church today. And here's another one. What a blessing to actually to be able to come to church today. So I'm going to highlight, there's a lot to be thankful for today. And I'm going to put some hope in you for 2021. So go with me to the New Testament, to the book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and, and as you come into the book of John 15, what you're going to see, this entire chapter is red letter words. So this is the Lord Jesus. He's writing to every one of us. He's writing to me and you. Now, but you have to pay close attention to this. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. Who is the true vine? The Lord Jesus is the true vine, Okay. He goes on to say, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, so we got to dig into this a little bit. Every branch in me, Jesus is the vine those who claim to be followers of Christ or born-again believers, these are the branches. So the Lord Jesus says something here. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Many translations say he cuts off many branches. Then he goes on to say, but every branch that's in me that bears fruit, he prunes. So the branches that are not bearing fruit, or better stated, they are unproductive, he cuts off. Was their commitment, was it superficial? Was it worthless? Or did it have the potential to infect the other branches? So in verse 2, what you see there's two types of pruning. You're going to be cut off or you're going to be cut on. But he ends the end of verse 2 and he says, And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why does he prune it? That it would bear more fruit. More richer and more excellent fruit. So the goal right here is for every one of us to bear more fruit. 
I believe the fruit that he desires for every, of, every one of us to walk in is Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and meekness. Now, could you bear some more fruit in one of those nine categories? Or you may say, Pastor, I could bear more fruit in every one of those. Well, I'm with you. That's me. So when I read this, let me break this down for you a little bit easier. You're either going to be cut on or you're going to be cut off. Better stated, you're pruned if you do and you're pruned if you don't. Okay? But when I look at what he says here, he wants us to take on more fruit. Now, why am I sharing this? Because we're getting ready to enter a new year. Now, what would happen if, if we begin to jump into 2021 and say, Oh, Lord, I, I welcome a pruning in me. A pruning in the things of my life. Now, I'm a... I'm a kind of a gardener, okay? I'm, I'm not a great gardener, but I kind of like to tinker around with it. And I've trimmed on rose bushes before, but it wasn't real pretty what I did to them. Now, I've taken little snippers before and I've snipped on them. And I had one in my backyard one year that I really despised, so I trimmed on it with a shovel. I whacked it real good, and my goal was, was to kill it. And my goal, too, was, was I'm going to cut this thing down so low that Shelly will forget that it was even here. But what happened with that thing is it came back thicker and richer, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this backfired on me. <laughs> so when we think about this, of the pruning of a rosebush, I actually did a study on this last week. And it, so, it says that when a, a guy or a gal is a professional, uh, a rose bush gardener, what they do when they get ready to go prune, they look for the bud or the flower that is the healthiest, that has the most potential. And they clip it back. And here's why they clip it back. It's good but it's not the best. And so they said, let's clip it back to make it the best. But the branches that are sick, the branches that aren't healthy, they cut them off. And the branches that are dead, they cut those off. Now our lives are like those three examples. What is in your life right now or the season that's your life in your life that needs to be cut back or to be cut off? Are there habits in your life right now that need to be cut off? Wow. And just think about that. Is there any habits in my life right now that they literally need to be cut off? Are there any activities in your life that may need to be cut back? They may not be bad, but they need to be cut back. Let me help some of you with that. 
Does your social media need to be cut back? Oh, pastor, that hurt. Does your amount of time watching TV, does it need to be cut back? See, again, I'm not talking about necessarily things that are sinful, but are things that are just stealing away from you from, they're okay, they're good, but they're not the best. Here's another one. Are there relationships in your life that need to be cut back or cut off? Ooh. See, again, I believe this is what he's getting to us. And so every one of us to start the year, there's things in my life that the Lord Jesus wants to prune us. And the goal of the pruning was what? I want you to be fruitful. I want your life to be fruitful. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word. The New Living says this. That you are already pruned and purified. How? Because of the word which I have spoken to you. So when I read this right here, and this is the Lord Jesus' words. He said, within the word of God is the ability to prune what needs to be pruned and to purify what needs to be purified. So when I start reading the word of God, when I get in the Bible, there's stuff within the Bible that tells me that needs to be pruned and that needs to be purified. Why? Because Jesus wants us to bear more fruit. Back to verse three. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse four. Abide in me. You must remain in me. You must abide in me. A life union with Jesus. Now the word abide means to continue. You must continue with me. It also means to endure. It also means to tarry. One of the best definitions I could find for the word abide, it means a constant residence. So I cannot be attached to Jesus only in name. And what I mean by that is you cannot have a union of convenience or no obligations or no commitments. I, I want everything you have, Jesus, but I don't want to be in union with you. I don't want to constantly reside with you. But he says right here, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Now remember, who's the branch? Those ones that are born again. Remember, when we get born again, we get engrafted in. But he says something, and this was the Lord Jesus' words. He said, you can't do anything. The branch itself, he said, cannot bear fruit of itself. Me and you are incapable of bearing fruit ourselves. I don't care how special you think you are. Unless it abides in the vine, unless it has this constant residence in the vine. Now remember, who's the vine? Jesus is. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Apart from Christ, you can't do nothing. 
See, Jesus wants us to make him day by day the center of my joy. When when I read verse 4, you you know what I really get here? That if I stay close to Jesus, he's my nourishment. He's everything that I need. He's everything I got to have day by day by day. Verse 7. If, you may want to circle that. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you make your home in me, and my words abide in you, if you cause your word to remain in you, if you cause the word to take up residence in you. See, again, he gives us incredible insight. I got to live with Jesus, but we got to stay with the word. And when I get into the word of God, I I feed my faith and I starve my doubts. Only the word of God will produce faith. That's Romans 10, 17. So I'm highlighting this to you guys. Remember the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I got to get into the word day by day by day. So he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you Ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. That's incredible how many times in there he references the word you. So he gets real personal with us, and it's an invitation from Jesus to every one of us. He said, come on, come on. I'm giving you an invitation. Hang out with me. Get in my word. Verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, So you will be my disciples. So the fruit that the heavenly vine dressers look for in his people is Christ likeness. And in order to be a productive or a branch that's fruitful, I must be submitting to being pruning and I must welcome the discipline of the Father. Woo, prune on me, Lord. Prune on me. Cut on me. And then I must ask God to grace me to be disciplined. I've got to become disciplined. Discipline me in my time in the word. Discipline me in my time of prayer. And something happens when that begins to take place. Turn with me to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We sure got quiet in this Presbyterian church. James chapter 1. I'm I'm getting a bunch of translations open here, okay? There's a reason I'm doing this, because you got to hear these. This is James chapter 1, verse 21. I'm going to read it first in the New King James. This will be very familiar to many of you when I read it. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now listen to this in the message translation. Throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Now listen to this in the, the, the message or the Passion Translation. If you want a good translation to read for your everyday reading, get the, pen, the Passion Translation, okay? 
This is James 1.21 in the Passion. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with the sensitive of spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature, for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. You know, any time in my life that I get hung up on things, I realize within the word of God is ever answer to my hangups. When I begin to get into the word of God, so here's what I challenge you through this. Begin to find scripture that pertain to your life and begin to speak it out of your mouth. Why is that so important? Because the Bible comes alive when we use a, a Hebrew word called the rhema. The rhema means the spoken word. So the more you speak the word of God over your life, get ready. Get ready. So let me give you an illustration of what that means. In um, Ephesians 5, roughly around verse 25, it says, Husbands, you're to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Now, I'm a husband, and I know there's a lot of husbands in here. And so husbands, you're probably like me. And so every one of us needs as much help as we can get. So what would happen if I begin to pray that? I say, oh, Father God, you told me to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Now, I'm incapable of doing that by myself, but I ask you right now through the Lord, just grace me in that area. Woo, grace me, Father God, grace me. Grace me to love Shelley like Christ loved the church. And you begin to pray that, and watch what happens. I can tell you what's going to happen. Pastor, you've been married how long? Well, I'm coming up on 40 years. And it's not because I'm the sharpest tool in the shed. It's because the word of God works. You know, I remember 40 years ago when I got married, people said out of their mouth, they'll never make it. And they were talking about me. But oh, something happens when you start getting a hold of the word of God and you become disciplined in a daily basis and you say, "Woo, go to work, go to work. Let the word of God go to work in me. Now, I'm gonna read James 1.21 again, but I'm gonna break this down just a little bit. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness. Lay aside all filthiness. Abandon and cut off everything that is morally impure, and then he says, an overflow of wickedness or all forms of wicked conduct. You know what he's saying? Prune it. Cut it off. And receive with meekness. Absorb God's word, the nourishment of God's word. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So when I begin to get a hold of this, guys... Man, my life begins to change. This is the manual for life right here. Get into the Bible in 2021. And one thing I'll say about this, you can never put a question mark where God's put a period. I just begin to be a doer of the word. And I begin to, to heed the warnings all through the Bible. And so the number one reason... That Christians get off track is a thing called compromise. I compromise the word of God. Have you ever compromised the word of God? Absolutely. 
And it's not good when I do. So what would happen if we go into this year and say, Lord, grace me to not compromise your word. Grace me here, Father God, to get back up on the inside. Grace me that that 2021 be a year that I rule instead of being ruled. Now I'm gonna ask you to stand up there, right there where you're at. Ooh, the goodness of God here this morning. are quiet today. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. God loves every one of us regardless of your past. And I believe this with all my heart. Our God is still in the business that he takes messes and makes miracles. And it's never too late to come to Jesus. And so I, I want to end this last Sunday of the year with this invitation. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or you've, you've strayed away from the things of God, and you may be here the last Sunday of 2020, and you say, you know what? This is big New Year's resolutions. Man, we're going to go to church. We're going to go to church. And you made that decision to come to church, but maybe you need to give your heart back to Jesus. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to just come, come forward right now. We'll celebrate you. We'll clap for you. Is there anybody here today that needs to give their heart to Jesus? Is there anybody here that says, I need to rededicate, Lord Jesus? Okay, let me go a little further here. What if there was one, just one thing? I'm not going to make, you make a list of 10. Just one thing. Whether it's one habit, one activity, one relationship that you know in your heart. Father God, it needs to be pruned, whether it's cut on or cut off. And you know that. You know what that is. Whether it's an ugly old habit that's tried to dominate you. You know, I, I welcome you to come to the altar here and say, Lord, I'm, I'm coming today before you. I'm, I'm coming today. And you know what? You come down here and, and standing before heaven, you say, Father God, prune that on me. Prune that. And in some areas of our life, he'll take these little snippets and he'll become a cut on you. But there's other areas of your life. He may take that shovel. He may go to work on you. I I don't know about you. I'm ready for him to go to work on me. You know why? Because it's all about fruit that we bear richer and more fuller fruit. And so again, you're not doing this for me, but when you come for you tell him, man, go to work in me, Lord. Go to work. And I pray this over every one of us that within our hearts, he creates an atmosphere, or or not an atmosphere, but an, an appetite. An appetite for God. I want to serve you. I want to live for you beyond anything in my life ever before. Go ahead and sing, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.